Welcome to Shi'ar Jashub, coming from Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today our church will be bringing you the continuation of a sermon by my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, in his series on heavenly authority. The focus of this message has been on celibacy versus marriage in ministry. Before we return to the message, let me give you the address of our church website. It is www.shiarjashub.org. At shiarjashub.org, you will find a library of radio programs and sermon videos to help you in your walk with Jesus. And you will find links to our channel on YouTube, rumble.com, Google, and Apple Podcasts, as well as articles, blogs, and information about our church and ministry team. So make it your site for serious Bible study. The address again is shiarjashub.org, and you can check Isaiah 7, verse 3, for the spelling. When we left off last time, Pastor Greg was reading from Matthew, chapter 19, where the Lord gives a teaching on marriage as well as celibacy in response to the Pharisees' and disciples' questions. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. And they go on to say, well, why did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce to put her away? And Jesus says to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. And his disciples said to him, if such is the case, you mean I can't divorce her for just any reason? It's that serious? I can't just divorce her? For, I can't get out of this? I, it, I'm stuck? If such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. If that's going to be the way it is, that I can't get out of this, Better not to marry, better to be unmarried. And Jesus clarifies what that celibacy means. He says, says to them, all cannot accept the same. Lewis, it's a saying that some can accept, but only those to whom it has been given. Again, the gift, God gives the gift. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb. And there are eunuchs, castrated men, who were made eunuchs by men. And we discussed that with the Ethiopian eunuch, right? How that was a perversion in the pagan society to make sure that they had rulers in their household, stewards that they did not have to worry about with the women of the household. It was a pagan practice. And we talked about how the Old Testament forbid that. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who's able to accept it, let him accept it. Now, you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, so certainly Jesus is not saying here for them to castrate themselves. But they should be as though 
they're eunuchs. Whereas when you're saying, Peter and Andrew and James, better not to marry, then you're saying you're going to live like a eunuch. You're going to live without any sex. And that's the saying that all cannot accept. Now, he's just talked about the holiness of marriage, right? The sacredness of marriage, the importance of marriage. And now he's saying there are some that can do this for the kingdom of heaven's sake. If he's able to accept it, let him accept it. If you have that gift, all well and good. Okay, so here you have a mention of celibacy by the Lord, but it's not a false celibacy, is it? It's not a forced celibacy. It's not an ordained celibacy by the church hierarchy. As a matter of fact, we're going to see that these men, these apostles, most of them were what? Married. And Jesus chose them, and they were married. Right? But some can have a gift, like Paul. Paul's a perfect example of it. Some have the gift for a time, maybe Philip. Some can have a gift, as far as we know, with Paul his whole life. He was celibate. But it's not something ordained from a hierarchy. It has to be given by God. And if it's given by God, it's not a phony celibacy. You know, the collars are turned because what else are we going to do? Right. It's a true celibacy that they just don't have any desire. They're like a eunuch. So if a person has no desire, they're like a eunuch. They have a gift from God. Well, as long as they have that gift, they should use it in God's service. Not all can have that, Jesus says here. And the marriage relationship is holy, and you don't, you can't give what's not, you can't have what's not given by God. You have trouble otherwise. All who can accept, for the kingdom of heaven's sake, let them accept. But it's a total purity, right? It's a total abstinence. They're not going to be there having trials and struggles and temptations. And that was an answer to the disciples. Well, you know, if you don't want that, then you better be happy with your wife and not say better not to marry. Now, why is he telling them this? Because they're saying it without thinking about what they're saying. Well, you're telling me I'm stuck? Better not to marry. Okay, well, that only applies if you have this gift where you can live like a eunuch. You can't live like a eunuch. You better make a right choice who you marry to begin with. And then once you're in there, you're in there. Because God's put them together. Let man not separate. Okay. Let's talk about the apostles for a second, these men who said that. If you look in Matthew chapter 8, in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 14, now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother his wife's mother lying sick with a fever, so he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. Boy, you ever hear some Catholic priest try to step around that one? Peter's wife is dead, can't be alive. But it doesn't say that here. Jesus saw his wife's mother, his mother-in-law, and he healed her. Well, let's get a little more clarity on it. Um, let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Turn to chapter 9, look in verse 1. He says, am I not an apostle? This is the section that speaks about the rights of the apostles. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, 
for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Obviously, they had right to provision. And many of the apostles received provision. Do we, verse 5, do we have no right to take along a believing wife? A believing wife, a sister wife. As do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord, and Cephas. Who is Cephas? Peter, right? That's the Aramaic for Peter. So all the other apostles, Peter, the Lord's brothers, which would include James, the elder in Jerusalem, they all have what? Believing wives. And, and Paul is saying here, don't we, don't I have the same right? And the answer is yes. He's given up that right, just like he gives up the right to provision and he makes the tense because he's serving the Lord zealously, undividedly. Right? And that's a gift God has given him. But did God call Peter and the other apostles also? Yes. And they have spouses. They have wives. Clearly told here. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Clearly stated. So which was better? Who accomplished more? Well, Paul accomplished a great deal, right? It's very hard to compare anyone to what Paul did in his zeal, right, undivided attention. But it got started, right? Paul would never could have done what he did if Peter and James and John didn't do what they did. And certainly, Peter picked up the work, and Peter did a tremendous work in the Lord. He was the one that the Lord placed as the head of the twelve. So does God call just those that have a gift of celibacy like Paul? Matter of fact, for every Paul, there seems to be at least 12 or 20 or 30 others that God calls into positions of ministry and authority who do not have the gift, who are married. Matter of fact, we're going to see that marriage is actually a requirement for some of the key offices in the Bible. If you go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and while you're looking that up, let me make one point that's very important. In 1 Corinthians 7, verse 9, he says, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. Right there, Paul is saying that even if there is this gift of celibacy, they shouldn't make a lifetime vow to it, Right? Because at a certain point, at a certain point in their lives, they may come to find that that gift was given for a time, for a purpose, and has been withdrawn because God now desires the person to get married. A person might have the gift of celibacy to go on the mission field into very dangerous situations where undivided attention can mean life or death. Doesn't mean that they're given that gift for their whole lives. 1 Corinthians 7, 9 would tell you that there should never be a vow made, a lifetime vow for such, because it would be foolish. It would be a place for the devil to work his work in a person's life and bring them down. The condition I just mentioned with the missionary would be like a battlefield, right? Uh, in battle, if you're at war, there are more important things on your mind than you know settling down. Have you're concerned with life and death, and many times on the, on the mission field. 
and where Paul went on his journeys, he was like a man going to battle. And so his mind was undivided focus in what he did. But let's say Paul had not been beheaded by Nero, right? And he settled down in a church. Might he have then taken a wife? Well, he allows himself that option in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, right? He doesn't say, no, I have to make, I have to wrap my hands up and make this lifetime obligation. When the way God created people from the very beginning is actually in opposition to it. Only by grace can it function for a time, for a purpose. And as I said, some positions of authority in the church, it's not even wise. It's not wise. Paul was going out as a, as a missionary. Look what it says here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Don't forget that Pastor's book, The Nature and Power of Prayer, is available wherever books are sold. Pastor Greg wrote this book to provide readers with knowledge of the foundational principles found in the Bible, principles which are necessary so that we can approach God with confidence, knowing the correctness of our prayers, and that God will answer in a powerful way. You can find more information at PastorGregScalzo.com. You are welcome to Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacles Sunday service at 10 a.m. in the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. The church website, again, is www.shiarjashub.org. Please join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.